we interrupt your normal programming for this special announcement. First of all, we thank you for joining us here at Joy. As many as you know, we are a family church teaching people to reach their world. It is our belief that the world starts right outside the front door. For that reason, we look for ways that we can make a difference in small and sometimes large ways right here in central Minnesota. This heart led by Pastor Brian to create something we call Joy to the World. It's really pretty simple. Every year we give of our time, talent, and treasure in hopes of helping other people, other communities, and other churches fulfill the purpose that God has for them. Since the start, we've helped out many places. The St. Cloud Children's Home, the Salvation Army, the Benton County Sheriff's Department, churches in Monticello, Bertram, and all the way up to Thief River Falls. We've even been able to personally bless pastors from all over Minnesota. Most recently, we were able to bless Pastor Patrick Herzog with a $25,000 check to help his church start a second campus in Fargo. Here's a little update from them. Hey, Joy Christian Center. I am Andrew. This is my wife, Marissa. We are the campus pastors at the Life Church Fargo campus. Thank you so much for your investment in this church. It's been incredible so far. God has been on the move. He shows up every single time. And so thank you. We, we've had our first week, we had over 180 people come, which is incredible. That's 180 souls that heard the gospel. And many of them were unchurched. Many of them did not have a church home. And so thank you for your investment. And then also, we've had over maybe around 15 to 20 people give their lives to Jesus so far. And they're following up, you know, going on one-on-ones. And we have life groups going on, four of them going on so far. So thank you for your investment in our church. We are so thankful for you. Thank you again so much for your faithfulness and giving to this cause. What we've been able to see happen through Joy to the World is living proof that everyone can do more than someone. We will now return to your regular program. Amen. Well, give Jesus a praise. That's exciting to me. I don't know about anybody else, but that's awesome. Praise God. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. I just wanted to share that with you. I know Patrick and their church up in, in Fergus was, were, were so blessed and excited, and uh, I want to talk about that in just in, in a few minutes. But I want to catch you up. Um, Perhaps if you weren't here last week, we began a series, as, as you've already heard, we began a series called One Small Step, and uh, last week, the, by the way, this is called a step ladder, not a leap ladder, Re remember that? step ladder, not a leap ladder. And so the last week, we began that series about one small step, and, and really, it's sort of a, I don't know, I don't even know how to say it in, in one sense, that it... In September, we did the series during one, one Sunday September's, one service September's. Uh, we did the series, uh, you know, There's More. And I want to encourage you, and, and, and as a congregation, myself as a pastor, and you as, as, as followers of Christ, no matter how far you think you've come, no matter how far you think that, that you've, or how much you think you've accomplished, I want you to know that there's more, that God isn't done with you yet, that there is more for you to gather, uh, for, more for you to, to, to overcome, there's more for you, more ground, more territory for you to take. There's something more for you that God has in store for you. We are called to be pilgrims and sojourners here on planet earth. A pilgrim is one who is moving and moving. We are not called to be settlers. We're called to keep moving. Look at the person next and say, keep moving. <laughs> Look at the person on the other side and say, you better get moving. 
<laughs> now, we need to stay moving. There is more. And yet, I think sometimes when it comes to God, it comes to Christianity, and particularly perhaps in a style church like ours, that when we think about the more, that we think of these, we tend to think of great big. We tend to think of, of, of miraculous things. We, we tend to think of, you know, I'm going I, I, to win the mega million. And I'm going to give, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to give. It got quiet in here all of a sudden. It's like, can we? Well, I'm going to give a little bit. $1.6 billion? I could probably spare something. Now, we tend to think of the great big things, but, but I want to tell you this morning, and we love the promise. We love the, the blessing. We love the, the idea that God wants to bring a harvest into our life, and we like the promise. But as we've said many, many, many times, the promise lives on the other side of the process. And while we like the promise, we like the harvest, we like the things that God says, I'm going to do for you, we don't necessarily like the process that's involved in coming towards or into the promise that God has for us. And so if we want the promise, we have to. If we want the promise, we have to engage in the process. If we want the promise, we've got to engage in the process of life that God has for us. And many times in the kingdom of God and in all the things that he wants to do, the process involves taking steps. And the process, not real exciting. The process isn't always a lot of fun. Sometimes the process is hard. Sometimes taking those steps. In Psalms chapter 37 and verse 23, it says this, the steps of a good man. The steps of a good man, the God-pursuing ones, follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord. And that's what we're endeavoring to do. It's kind of like, you know, if you've ever watched children when there's a lot of snow and, you, and you're following somebody, maybe they got great big feet, and you're following them in the snow, what are you doing? You're trying to put your foot where their foot was so that you don't get snow on the inside of your shoes, and you're following in the footsteps. And in a sense, that's what we are called to do. We are to be the ones, the steps of the God-pursuing ones follow in the footsteps of the Lord. We are to walk worthy of our calling, Paul said. And then it says the next part of it, and that's the process. God delights. Everybody say God delights. He gets happy. Well, I'm just starting preaching right away. If you're not awake yet, we'll get you awake. Hallelujah. God delights in every step they take to follow him. God delights in the steps. God delights in the process. God delights in you and I engaging in, with him in the process of followership of Christ. He gets excited about it. He do you know that this morning God got excited when you got up? And God got excited when you took a step outside the door into your car and you got on the, got on the road and you showed up here. God was excited because that's a step. Do you realize that there are some this morning that are sitting at home and, and, and they've decided, you know what, I'm going I'm to try out this church thing. I'm going I'm to go online. I'm going to watch. I'm going to stream the service. And I'm going you know, I'm I'm to take a step. And God's excited about that. That's a step forward in their life. And you being here today is a step forward in your life. And God delights in the steps we take to follow him. Just like a parent gets down on a knee and says, come on. Come on, you can make it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, when that little baby takes the first step, we're calling people, telling people, taking pictures. And I think God's doing the same thing. God is getting down on your level, and he's saying, come on, come on, just, just, just take another step. Just take another, you can do it, just take another step. He's taking pictures. Hey, check out my kids, man, they're following. They're taking a step. 
God delights in the steps. And what we were talking about last week, and if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, go online, get the service, watch it. I'd love to re-preach that whole message because it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. God delights in the steps that we take to follow him. God delights in the individual steps of followership of Christ. That is the process that leads us to the promise. It is the process that leads us to the harvest. And sometimes those steps seem kind of mundane. Sometimes those steps don't bring an accompanying feeling that excites us. Sometimes those steps just seem, and sometimes the steps are more like this. How many have been there and done that? Another time around. Ooh. Slow down, Pastor Brian. You're going to fall down. <laughs> Whew. Wow. Uh, inner ear thing keeps going after you. When you get a certain age, it seems like. But here's the thing, and we said this last week. I want to say it again. The kingdom of God is a place where destinies are defined by day-to-day decisions. The kingdom of God is not accomplished in giant things of, of big, and sometimes it is big, explosive things. That the, the power of God, boom, happens. Yeah, that happens sometimes. But the destiny that God wants to bring you into, the destination that God has for you is accomplished in the daily decisions of your life. Like we said a couple of, of last month, we were talking about the chain. Everybody has a choice. You have a choice in your followership of Christ. But the problem with choices is they don't stay choices. Choices after a while can become a chain. They can hold you back or they can ground you in a positive way. It starts with a choice, and eventually that choice becomes a habit. And that habit, after a while, becomes automatic. And then, after it becomes automatic, it becomes a part of your identity. And ultimately, it's your nature that is living out. It's a chain that holds you back. But it can be a chain that is positive in your life because you can choose God things, and eventually God things will become a habit. It seems foreign at first to praise God. It seems foreign at first, and people maybe give you a hard time because you're going to church again. But you make that choice enough and it becomes a habit and eventually praise becomes automatic in your life. Not just when everything's going good, but when it's difficult, when it's hard. And it becomes a part of your identity and ultimately your nature. And Christianity is not just a thing you do, it's who you are. Because you've taken a step, you've taken a step. And the destiny that God has for you is fulfilled by daily faithfulness and little things that he has for you. And so we said this last week about the step. But again, this is a step ladder. This is a step ladder. It is a ladder that is designed to bring you from down here to up here, but it's accomplished in steps. It's not accomplished in giant leaps. You don't start on the ground and jump up here. It's designed to go one step at a time. And the reason that we don't rejoice in steps is I think a lot of times we don't know, number one, what a step is, and we don't value the power of a step. We don't value the power of a step. And so I asked this question last week for review. Is this a step? No, this is not. I, I, would, I would say to you, I mean, it's a partial step. It's a half step. But it's not a whole step. James says it like this. Be, hearers of, be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Be doers of the word. Not just, when you hear the word, that's faith. When you hear the word, it brings faith into your life. It brings hope into your life. Hope says, I can have something different. Hope says, I can get somewhere else. Hope says that there's something better that is ahead of me. And that happens because you hear the word of God and you have hope. 
But James says that just because you hear the word doesn't mean you've done the word. Just because you've heard the word doesn't mean that you've taken a step. You have the potential. You, you took half a step, but it's not until you engage your muscles. This is relatively easy, but it's not until you engage your muscles, your thigh, and you lean, and you work forward, and you move from one position to the next. The fulfilling of a step is when you've left here and gone there. And I think that, boy, this is tough for every Christian regardless of whether you've been saved for five minutes or 50 years. There comes a point in our followership of Christ that maybe we've taken a step or two, but we get to a point where it's like, you know, I don't know if I can go any farther. I don't know if I, or, or it's, I don't know if I want to go. And I said it last week that sometimes our, our step becomes a seat. I've, I've done enough. I've put in my time. I've served enough. I, I've gone, uh, you know, I, I just don't want to do anymore. I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. And God wants us to keep taking steps. He wants us to keep moving forward because there's more that he has for you and there's more that he has for me and we're supposed to continue moving forward. And, and here's the thing about, and, and it's not hard to climb a step ladder. But I don't know if you've been alive long enough to know that sometimes life is hard. Anyone? And how many of you have ever found that sometimes Christianity is hard? You know, in fact, I'll say, like, if your Christianity, if your followership of Christ sometimes isn't hard, then I question how far you're actually following. Because there will come times in your life where, and I've said this, I'll say it a hundred million more times probably, but there's times in your life that what you want for you is going to differ than what God wants for you. And it is that point that the step because I see that God wants me to pray. I see that God wants me to, to worship him. I see that God wants me to get engaged in his things. I see that. But man, there's stuff that I still want here. And I'm afraid of what people are going to think. I'm afraid of what I'm going to have to give up. What about the security that I feel here? And, and it's not until I leave that that I experience. It's like, man, that's hard to do. But once you've done that, you've conquered something. Once you've done that, there's a change that comes into your life. There's a freedom that you'll experience. But here's the thing. Another level, another devil. <laughs> I think it was Joyce Meyer that said that with every level, with every new level, there's another devil. That's why Jesus said things like this in John chapter 16. He said, I've told you these things so that you could have peace. He's talking to the disciples right before the death, burial, and resurrection. He says, I've told you these things so that you can have peace in me. In the world, that's where we all live, by the way. In the world, you're going to have what? You're going to have what? Trouble. You're going to have what? Trouble. Look at the person next to you and say, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> yep. <laughs> In the world, you're going to have trouble. But take hope. Amen. Every level, there's going to be trouble. Every level, there's difficulty. But take hope. Because I've overcome. I've overcome. I think that in Christianity, we've had the wrong idea. I think in Christianity, we have thought, and perhaps we tried to sell this to people, that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're going to have this great peace. Yeah, you'll have peace that passes all understanding if you keep your mind on him. You're going to have joy, yeah, in sorrow and pain, in trouble. You can have joy. But if you keep your eyes, and here's the thing, if you keep your eyes here on what's around you instead of up there, if you keep your eyes on the trouble that's around you rather than the hope and the future that God has for you, guess what? It's going to get hard. 
And this life can be difficult. This life can be a challenge. This life is not always easy. Like I say about Christianity, Christianity is simple, just not easy. And unfortunately, we as Americans, perhaps, we as 21st century people, we prefer easy. We're so accustomed. You know, it's a drive-through mentality. It's an Amazon order mentality. I can have it in two days. I don't have to leave. I don't even have to get dressed. I can just stay in my pajamas with a cup of coffee, and I can do all my shopping online, and it shows up at my door. And we've transferred that to Christianity, that we, can, we just think that we can just, you know, everything's going to just happen really, really easy. Listen to what Jesus said. <laughs> this, he, he said Jesus said, look, in Luke 10, 19, he said, look, I've given you authority. Can I ask you a question? What good's authority if you never use the authority that you have? And what good is, what's the implication if you have authority? You're supposed to use it against things or, or over things or around things that don't recognize or respond to or need authority over them in their life. He said, I've given you authority over all. Everybody say all. How much power of the enemy? All the power. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That's exciting. That's the promise. Woohoo! People get excited, shout, scream, holler. Yay, I've got authority over the devil. But notice what Jesus went on to say. And you can walk. You can walk over. You can walk over. You can walk over. You can walk among the snakes and scorpions and crush them. I don't know about you, but I think that Christian life should be like this. Crushed it, crushed it, crushed it. But but here's the here's the thing. That's exciting. That's the promise. Woohoo! That's the harvest. Yes, I like it. But I think that sometimes we think that when Jesus said that, what he said was, "You will never experience a, a, a scorpion. You'll never see a snake." That's not what he said. He said, "I've given you authority so that you can walk among them." As a follower of Christ, as a, as a person on planet Earth, we don't want to walk among the pain. We don't want to walk among. We don't want to experience. We, we don't want it in our life. We don't want it around us. We don't want the heartache. We don't want the hard. We don't want the difficult. We don't want that stuff. And when that stuff happens, sometimes what we think is, Jesus, oh God, this is so hard. And we get among other people, it's just so hard to be a Christian. In other words, shouldn't this be easier? It seems like, you know, I've been following Jesus now for 15 minutes. And I've been trying hard. So hard, shouldn't it be easier? Here's the thing. If I lead with, this should be easier. If I lead with, this, is, this, this shouldn't be this hard. If, if I lead with this, here's what I'm doing. I will open up my life to excuses. I will begin to find reasons why it's so hard. I'll begin to find reasons why, you know what, if it wasn't for my parents, if it wasn't for that stupid church, if it wasn't for the Democrats, if it wasn't for the Republicans, if it wasn't for the media, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that, we begin to find excuses, and, and those excuses keep us grounded. Those excuses become the focus of our life. And what happens is that the excuses blind us to the expectations that are out there in front of us. That God has a hope for us. He has a future for us. He has something that he wants us to leave so we can step into something that he has for us. Carol, you shared a story with me, and I, I hope I don't embarrass you, but I'm going to take a chance. 
Sorry about that. I should have probably warned you, but I just thought of it right now. So I am warning you. <laughs> Do you know where I'm going? Okay. A couple of weeks ago, we had the chain, and we were talking about the chain. I don't know if I want to share this right now or not. Well, let me, let me, let me give you this, first of all. The promise is on the other side of the process. And I got some good news and I got some bad news for you. God's got a harvest. He's got a promise for you. But there's a process and hard is a part of the process. Let me say that again. The promise is on the other side of the process, but the hard, hard is a part of the process. Look at the person next to you and say hard's a part of the process. <laughs> In fact, let me tell you something. If it's hard right now, don't get mad. Don't start looking for excuses. Rejoice. Because you're in part of the process. <laughs> you're about to leave something and step into something else. And we were talking about the chain a couple of weeks ago. And, 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 and Carol came up to me afterwards and, and she said, listen, she said, you know what? I just realized something. I, and, and, and God was, was speaking to her about sharing the gospel with somebody and praying for somebody. And she kind of didn't want to because she knew. And, and I'm going to just gloss over a lot of it. You can ask her for more detail if you want because, because uh, I, I want to I try to share a point with you. Because sometimes, not every time, but sometimes you're in things and going through things not for you. You're in things and going through things for somebody else. But it feels like it's you. <laughs> and so she, she said, I know that God wanted me to share with somebody, and I knew they weren't going to receive it. I knew that they, were, were, they didn't want to hear it. And it was everything that she could do, but she finally, you know what she did? I'm going to do it anyway. And she went and she shared with this person, shared the gospel with this person, offered to pray. And you know what the person did? Nothing. In fact, kind of got mad. And she said, you know what? You know what I realized in that? I needed to take that step so I could break a chain. I broke a chain of fear at that moment. I broke a chain of, uh, of fear at that moment, and God brought me into something that I hadn't been in before. And I thought that was so good. Because sometimes in our followership of Christ, there are things that God wants us to learn. There are things that God wants us to embrace and to engage in, not because he's mad at us, not because he hates us, not because we failed, not because we messed up, but because something is on the other side that's going to bring victory into our life. And if we don't quit in the process, we will get to the harvest. If we don't quit while we're doing well, it, when we're doing well, eventually we will get to that point that he wants us to get to. And so as a preacher, as a pastor, man, I love to tell you about the promises of God. And I love to tell you that God's got a harvest. And, and I've heard people, this is your year of increase every year. They're saying, this is your year of increase. And we get excited about it. But I think we get excited about it because we really don't know what a harvest is. <laughs> and I was, last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, Shelly and I were going to a wedding. Did a wedding kind of out east uh, past Cambridge and... And so we're driving out on Highway 95, and I love this time of year because of pumpkins. And pumpkins just magically appear, in my opinion, because you can drive down a road for months all summer long, and you never see anything, and then all of a sudden you're driving down the same road, and there's all these orange dots in the field. Anybody ever notice that? It's like, wow, there's a harvest. There's, there's a whole harvest of pumpkins. And we get excited about harvest. We get excited about promise. We get, but I think that sometimes we get excited about it because we don't really know what a harvest is. And so we're driving past that field, and we were both commenting, man, where did, that, where did those come from? It's like they just popped up overnight, and there they are. And, I was, and there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pumpkins. And I got to thinking about pumpkins. 
wonder how long it would take to take all those pumpkins and load them on a trailer. How many times would you have to bend over? Those suckers are heavy, man. Five, ten pounds. Do whatever you do to the vine. Put it up on a trailer. Lift it up. And then you go back. You pick up another one. And then another one, and you're out in the field, and that day it was rainy, so I'm assuming it's muddy, and it's not the best ideal conditions and everything else. And, and, and here's the thing. You and I, we tend to view a harvest as a reward. We think of harvest as a reward, but that's because we don't know. We don't have any idea. We don't know how much work is involved many times in a harvest. And I thought about for myself, I've picked a few tomatoes, we generally grow three tomato plants, and I have a BLT in the fall. That's it. So I pick, you know, like a half a dozen to a dozen tomatoes. I've picked a few cucumbers off the ground. I've picked a couple of, I've, I've picked several apples from some apple trees. That is the extent of my harvesting career. It's because I know that right after I pick the tomato, I'm eating a peanut, I, I'm, eating, I'm eating a bacon, lettuce, a tomato sandwich. In fact, I've already got... Bacon in the microwave. I mean, I'm into easy. We put Miracle Whip on it, praise God. <laughs> Making me hungry right now. But here's the thing. I don't really know what a harvest is. I don't know how hard a harvest can be. I don't know the work that's involved in a harvest. And we, you and I, we tend to think that harvests are, woohoo! I get it. Yay, it, it, it's coming to me. God's just going to magically cause increase to come into my life. God's just going to overcome everything. But sometimes there's some process that he wants us to go through. Sometimes there's some steps that he wants us to take. And sometimes hard is a part of those steps that we have to take. And we don't like hard. We shy away from hard. We don't like to become less and less so Jesus can become more and more. We're uncomfortable at times taking a step towards God because when we take a step towards God, sometimes it means we're leaving something or someone behind. And that's hard. And maybe sounds harsh. But then God comes towards us and in that void and in that emptiness, there is a completeness that he brings. I, I read this and I thought it was interesting. There's a... Uh, Golfer, actually he was a golfer that was pretty prominent back in the 60s and 70s more. Um, his name was, hang on here, <laughs> I'll get it in a second, it's Gary Player. And I went through so many notes. Here we go. Oh, I'm about half done. I'll you go, whew, which means absolutely nothing. All right. I'm half done with my notes, but how long that'll take, I don't know. Gary Player was a golfer, and there was a person who was watching him practice hitting, hitting golf balls. And he said, man, I would love to hit a golf ball like you. I would, and he goes, no, you really don't want to hit a golf ball like me. He goes, yeah, I, man, if I could just hit a golf ball like you, that would be so awesome. I'd love to hit a golf ball like you hit golf balls. He goes, no, you really don't want to. He says, yeah, I, I, I really do. He goes, no, if you want to hit a golf ball like I hit a golf ball, here's what you'd have to do. You're going to have to get up at 5 o'clock every morning and hit 1,000 golf balls. And then you're going to have to hit so many golf balls that your hands are going to bleed. And after that thousand golf balls that you hit and your hands are bleeding, you'll go into the clubhouse, you'll bandage up your hands, and then you'll go outside and you'll hit another thousand golf balls. And then he said, tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and do the same thing, hit a thousand golf balls. Your hands are going to bleed and you're going to bandage up your hands and you're going to hit another thousand. And if you're willing to do that every day, day after day after day, and, and every week, week after week after week, and every month, month after month after month, and every year, year after year after year, if you're willing to do that, then you'll be able to hit a golf ball like me. To which the person said, I guess you're right. I don't really want to hit a golf ball like you want to hit a golf ball. Now, I don't know actually if he said that, but I would imagine he thought that. 
See, we all want the promise. We all want the harvest. We all want the blessing. But there's work involved in the process. There's hard involved in the process. If you want the promise, if you want the promise, if you want the harvest, if you want the blessing, then get ready to bleed a little bit. Get ready to hurt a little bit. Get ready to do what you don't want to do a little bit. If you want the harvest, if you want the blessing, if you want to take a step up, get ready to step down into the lion's den. If you want to go another level with God and you want to have a miracle from God, get ready to face a giant because miracles happen in miracle territory. Miracles happen when it seems like it's impossible, when it seems like everything is against you and it is too hard. That's when the miracle happens. I've said this before. I will say it again, that faith is not designed. Faith is not designed to make your life easier. Faith is designed to make the impossible, the impossible steps and the impossible situations possible in your life. That's what faith is for. And there are some mountains that are meant by God for you to speak to and be moved, but there's other mountains in your life that are designed to be climbed. And it is only in that climbing, it is only in that step by step by step, after you've taken a step and you've gone another step and you've hurt and you've been tired and you've gone on and you continue to move higher and higher with God until you get to that point. And and, and I'll tell you what, when you get kind of higher, if you will, when you get to that point, there's something that spreads out in front of you. There's something that, that, that just brings a blessing to your soul and you see like you've never seen, you see farther than you've ever seen before. You see more blessing. You see more potential. You see more and more of what God has in store. Yes, God has more for you, but you got to get your eyes off your feet and get your eyes up and moving forward. Glory to God. Now, (laughs) I heard a person say one time, and I don't know. I heard a person say this. He said, God didn't give us tables, he gave us trees. God didn't give us cities, he gave us the raw materials to build cities from. We want it easy. And there's some stuff that you're going to have. And here's the thing, we all tend to question, God, why am I going through this? God, why does it seem so hard? Can I tell you this morning that perhaps it's not even about you? This is hard to get. Sometimes it's not about you. You might be the one in it. You might be the one going through it, but it might not even be about you. You might be in the middle of something, and there's pain, and there's heartache, and there's, you don't know why. But maybe you're going through something, and just maybe if you keep stepping and you keep moving, you're going to overcome something. You're going to defeat something. Something is going to be broken in you that your children and your grandchildren will never have to deal with. Something will be broken in you that will propel you to something. You might have come from a background of poverty and failure, but poverty and failure doesn't have to come from you. You might have come from a line that isn't godly, but godliness can come from you. You might have come from no praise at all, but praise can come from your life. Why? Because you kept taking steps, because you kept moving forward. In the pain, in the shame, in the heart, you kept moving, and you kept stepping. And I want to brag on you for just a moment this morning, if I can. Is that all right? Okay. See, there are times in this church that you do do stuff, we do stuff that you don't even know about. And, And I don't know how to even unpack this exactly. I've said this many times that I'm the least likely to do what I get to do. 
There's absolutely no reason on God's green earth that I should be pastoring a church like this. Except that God said, I think that's what I want you to do. I'd love to tell you that every step I've taken has been a perfect step. When I did the little circle, I've been that guy. Been that guy. Not sure what to do. When we were pastoring in Pennsylvania, we pastored there for four years uh, from 1987 to 1991. I had a lot in my heart of what I wanted to see a church do. It was a small church, it was a small town, and it was really, really easy to, to, to make excuses. It's a dinky little town. They've been in a recession for, a, it feels like, for a hundred years. They're all discouraged and depressed. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people that were there. I was in the right place at the right time, not so much for them, but for me. I needed to be there. And it was a difficult time in many ways, and I was really, really frustrated in a lot of ways because there was something bigger on the inside of me. And finally, a person asked me, he said, have you ever considered that the vision is not for here? The moment that man said that to me, you know what happened? Nothing around me changed. But the moment he said that, I wasn't looking down and I wasn't looking around. I, was, I wasn't trying to figure out how can the people in this church, how can this church do the things that are in my heart? The moment I embraced that thought, nothing else changed, but I did this. I took a step. And part of that step was coming to Minnesota and starting a church. And there's a whole lot of reasons to not. I had people say, you know, are you sure? I I don't think you should do that. And and uh, on the inside, I was like, I don't really care what you think because I already got a yes from God. I already know what I'm supposed to do. And I dotted my I's and I crossed my T's and I did. But there's been a lot of steps in this church. Small steps. I just believe that if we keep taking steps, we will eventually get to where God wants us to get to. Amen? And so this week, and it's, it's, it's a couple of steps, and it's the reason that I asked for the little update on Pat Herzog's church, Pat, Pastor Patrick up in Fergus, and, and, and the church they've planted in, in Fargo, and some of those things, because this week was just a tremendous week, and it's, and it's, I feel, I feel, I feel like we've taken a step as a church. Nothing else looks different, nothing else has changed, but I feel like we've taken a step. A small step, but it's a step in the right direction. And there's something about climbing that when you get to that point, when you get higher, you begin to see things differently. Things come into focus. Things that are farther away become possible. So this week, whether you realize it or not, you ministered powerfully and beautifully to about 35 pastors and wives. You encouraged people. We had a a group of ministers here, and we've done this over the last couple of years, and and, and something happened this time. There There was rich, rich fellowship where in the past, other ministers and pastors that were here, you know, they were here, they, they did their thing, and they left immediately. This time there was connecting that was going on and, and prayer that was happening, powerful things. Because we opened up our doors, because our worship team w- was willing. Some people gave up some time, and they came, and we, we served them lunch. We, were, we just, you went over the top. We blessed them with some different things, and, and they were happy to have been here. And that's powerful. And I think of Pastor Patrick, Joy to the, we launched Joy to the World next week, and I was just too excited to wait until next week, but we launched this next year. And for those of you that haven't been a part or don't know what we do, once a year we do what we call a giving initiative. And it's amazing to me. It is, uh, it's amazing what $49.95 can do. For the simple low price of $49.95, everybody can do more than somebody can. And I've watched us take steps. It's always been in my heart. 
to be a blessing. When I was pastoring that little church in Pennsylvania, there were times I was sitting at the piano and I was just worshiping God and I'm playing, and I'll never forget. I'm thinking about the excuses that I want to give to God, even though God already knows them. I said it a couple weeks ago. The question in our heart a lot of times is how? How, Lord? But how disappears when you know who? And I may not know how, but I know who. I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able. I'm persuaded that my God is big enough. I'm persuaded that my God is great enough. I'm persuaded that there is not anything in this life or the next that can stop the kingdom of God. I believe that with all of my heart. And I'm sitting at that piano, and I just said, God, if you would ever give me the opportunity, if you would ever give me the platform, there's so many things in my heart that I want to see happen, but I don't know how it can ever happen here. And perhaps, just perhaps, that vision is not for here. But God, if you would ever give me the ability, I want to help churches that are just like this to get to another step. And whether that's bring a a staff person to them, whether it's to help them in their building or whatever. And we began to take steps a few years ago. Actually, I forgot all about that. We were able to bless a church with $1,500. And then we took another step. We were able to bless a church with $5,000. Then we were able to bless another church with $12,000 for their building. And, and, and to be totally honest with you, every single one of those steps were hard. Because I would look at that step and I'd say, man, oh man, we could use $12,000 around here. People come to church, why don't you do this? I pay tithes, so you do this. Well, you know what? If we have priorities. I'd love to help you. I'd love to do that. But we also want to be a giving church. We want to be generous. Because you can't outgive God. Amen? And we're just a resource. We're just a funnel, a channel. And I'll be honest with you. I was so proud of this church, just watching the ministers respond. Why, you know, to, to look around this building. And they walk in and they go, Wow. And here's the, for me, the icing on the cake. I had a pastor talk to me on, on Tuesday. And he said, you know what we're going to do? I said, what's that? Because some of them watch our services online. He goes, we're going to do that joy to the world thing. I said, what? We're going to do our own joy to the world. I want our church to reach outside of our church. I, I want to be a blessing. I, I'm going to ask our congregation to get him. I tell you, honestly, I was like, woo! I was on the inside. Do you realize you've inspired something? You've inspired in the kingdom of God in Minnesota, you've inspired churches to look beyond themselves. You've inspired other ministers. And for me personally, that $25,000 was far easier than the $5,000 or the $12,000 or the Salvation Army or anything else that we've done. And I saw this, I saw us as a church being such a blessing lifting the hands of those that are weary and tired. The Bible tells us, Paul said this in the book of Galatians. He said, don't be weary in doing well. You'll reap in due season if you don't faint. Just keep doing well. Keep doing right. Keep doing the things that bring you closer to God, and there will be a harvest. And that harvest is going to bring blessing not just to you. It will bring blessing to those around you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning, Lord, and I thank you. I thank you so much for this congregation. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you use them even when they don't know that they're being used by you. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've led us and you've taught us along the way. I thank you that everybody can do more than somebody can. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that when the body of Christ works together, moves together, loves together, and gives together and serves together, that powerful, beautiful, miraculous things happen. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for those that give, those that serve. I thank you for the Dream Team members 
Father God, that willingly give of their time and their talent and their energy. I thank you, Father, that they've yielded their gifts to you, the gifts that you've placed in them, and that causes a beautiful, harmonious thing in this church that brings life and joy and love to central Minnesota. I rejoice in that, and I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.